This year marks the 30th anniversary of my high school graduation. Yes, I know, I'm old, but I'm young at heart. Anyway, I was junior class president back in high school. At my school, the juniors were responsible for planning and hosting what was a combined junior-senior prom. As class president, I implemented something no class had ever done before, a class newsletter to get kids excited and informed about the prom planning process. My first year at UC Berkeley's undergraduate business school, I became in charge of the B-School newsletter. At the time, it was typed on typewriters. Some of you may be old enough to remember having to use those in school. The articles were literally cut and pasted, then photocopied. I implemented a change that had never been done before. I computerized the production and switched the creation of the newsletter from typewriters to a relatively new program called Aldous PageMaker. Talk about dating myself. When I worked as a real estate appraiser, frustrated with the programs that we were using to type up reports, I encouraged the office to switch over to MS Word. Back when I was a wedding videographer in the early and mid-2000s, when everyone else was shooting at a shutter speed of 1 60th at 29.97 frames per second, I shot at 1 30th because I liked the softer look. Ever since I can remember, whenever I undertake an endeavor, I've looked for ways to do it different than has been done before. That has always been my modus operandi and it carried over to my professional life as a creative entrepreneur. Back in 2007, as I was making a switch from shooting primarily weddings to shooting corporate video work, due to the number of videos I had done in the professional photography industry, I made that industry my niche. I was the first person to shoot a recap video for WPPI's annual conference. I made a web video series for Adobe's release of their new Creative Suite line and a new program called Lightroom at the time. I went on to do videos for companies like Pictage, now defunct, and PhotoPlus Expo. My company also did promo videos for a number of high-profile wedding photographers at the time. I was the de facto videographer for the pro photo industry. But there was a sort of rivalry at the time between videographers and photographers. To be frank, Photographers really look down upon us videographers. I still see hints of that rivalry even today when I read Facebook forums. I knew I was going to be working with photographers a lot, but I didn't want to be known as that video guy. I had to do something that would elevate my status among them. So, I started a podcast. It was called F-Stop Beyond. Podcasts were still relatively new then, at least in the photo industry, but what few did exist were all about the gear and technique. Keeping with my penchant to be different and break new ground, my photography podcast would be more about the artist than the tech. I refer to it as Fresh Air for Photography, alluding to the popular NPR podcast with Terry Gross. I remember I used to record my phone calls with my Sony PD-150 and my Sennheiser G2 wireless mic. I put the lav mic by the phone earpiece and hit record. I then captured the audio from the DV tapes. Crazy, I know. Anyway, my strategy paid off. I was able to get some of the most respected photographers in the industry on my show. People like Mike Clone, Vincent LaFerre, Chase Jarvis, Joey L., Zach Arias, and many, many more. I was conversating with professionals revered by their industry. So when I was on a video job in the photography industry, like shooting another WPPI recap video, for instance, when photographers saw me, they didn't say, hey, look, there's that video guy. 
and say they'd say, hey, there's Ron Dawson from F Stop Beyond. The show was more of a strategic ploy than a labor of love. But after 109 episodes interviewing photographers, I felt like something was missing. I wanted to interview my own people, filmmakers. So around 2010, I canceled F Stop Beyond and started a new podcast geared towards filmmakers. And that is where our story begins. My name is Ron Dawson, and this is Radio Film School, a season finale. And then if you don't challenge yourself and take risks and push yourself into new things, you will die creatively. You will hit that plateau and you will die. Your soul will die and you will fail. I think the key thing is I still love what I do. I absolutely adore what I do. I love shooting. I love trying different things. And I feel I'm getting better. This is my style. The only thing that I rely on is I rely on basic fundamentals. I try to get away from where the tourists are because it's really hard to capture something unique if they see of other people wielding cameras, you know, <laughs> and I figure if someone's going to watch a video, they want to see something that they couldn't easily go and just see themselves in real life. I think that I'm still looking for my own style, but I definitely know that what makes you successful is having uh, a style. With artists, they get so distracted by the technical aspects of the thing that they're making that they forget to have a point of view or have a voice. It to me is the key to the answer of your question of finding your style because I think the mistake that a lot of people make early on is that we go for the applause. We try to find a style because we want accolades, because we want people to look at our work and go, wow, you're, you're good, you know? In the creation of art, it's all subjective. There's no right answer to how do you create a style and is this style, you know, uh, is this style authentic or good or whatever? The biggest thing about these directors is they have such a clear voice, such a clear perspective on who they are, and that essence of who they are spills onto their art. And that's what a great artist is. right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, Good morning, Vietnam! Wake up! Wake up, wake up, wake up! Up you wake, up you wake, up you wake, up you wake! Welcome to Crossing the 180, the filmmaker's podcast that breaks the rules. Every week, we bring you an up-close-and-personal interview with an amazing filmmaker. What you're hearing is the beginning of my last podcast, Crossing the 180. Whereas f Beyond was the fresh air of photography, Crossing the 180 was the fresh air of filmmaking. And like f Beyond, I had the honor to interview giants in our industry. Only this time, the podcast wasn't a marketing strategy. It was a true labor of love to connect with my own creative peeps. Tell me, what do all these people have in common? Ralph Winter, Albert Hughes, 
Elliot Rausch, Patrick Moreau, Kirby Ferguson, Jesse Rostin, David Robin, Nino Leitner, Vincent LaFerre, Ryan Connolly, Brian Storm, Dave Dugdale, Ray Roman, Shane Herbert, Philip Bloom, Kevin Shahinian, Drake Cooper, Kristen Souter, Solomon Lichthelm, and many, many others. All of those amazing filmmakers have been guests on Crossing 180 over the past couple of years and uh, uh, many, many more that I could uh, possibly name right now in the time allotted have been on the show. And it's been, it's been such a blessing and a pleasure for me to be able to talk to and be inspired by these filmmakers. And I say all this because today, this episode 110, will be the series finale of Crossing the 180. Then on December 5th, 2013, I posted episode 110 of that podcast. I had to produce it for about three years or so. And as you heard from the excerpt, I had an opportunity to interview some amazing guests one-on-one. But I felt like it run its course, at least for me anyway. At the time, I was wrestling with the question, was I a podcaster or a filmmaker? You see, in addition to running my business, I was also working part-time as the senior video producer for a marketing agency in Beaufort, Georgia. Between work and family, my time was really spread thin. So I decided that any extra time I had would go to making all the film projects that I wanted. One in particular was a short film documentary about my biracial daughter, which I had started nearly three whole years earlier. Good thing I stopped the podcast, huh? Anyway... Now I imagine my surprise when in the spring of 2015, almost a year and a half after ending Crossing the 180, my wife says, Would you want to get back into podcasting again? Back into podcasting again? I should do another podcast? Why in the world would I start another podcast? My stomach got into notch just thinking about it. All I could think was, You're out of your fucking mind. But we were discussing some possible new strategies and directions for our business, and creating content was one she thought I should reconsider. After much thought and consideration, I did decide to return to podcasting. But if I was going to do it again, it would have to be something, you guessed it, different. Staying true to forum, I wanted to do something I had never done before. Little did I know, it would also be something that no filmmaking podcaster had ever done before. You're listening to Dare Dreamer FM, the sound of creative expression. I do think that it's super important to not only develop a voice, but kind of lend your point of view. So if you pay attention, there will be a point. I'm going to give you some pushback on that a little bit. Um, only the, because- famous, the famous Ron Dawson <laughs> All right, oh, bring it on. It's so funny you say that. We all feel like we're the only ones feeling these things. And when you come from a place of being intensely personal, even if it isn't someone's exact experience, they can relate to the feeling that it's all yours. That was the beginning of the very first iTunes upload of a Radio Film School production. A montage of sound bites from the various interviews I had conducted over the previous two and a half months, leading up to the series premiere, which would be Tuesday, September 1st, 2015. That preview had two jobs. 
get people excited about the show, and instantly communicate that this was going to be a podcast unlike any that had been heard in the filmmaking community. I even addressed that issue within the preview itself. In a sea of podcasts about filmmaking, video gear, editing programs, and convention recaps, do we really need another one? Aren't we already busy enough? Aren't we already overstimulated, overdosed, and just plain over it all? If you would indulge me, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, and give me just a few minutes of your time, I wholeheartedly and passionately proclaim an emphatic Yes! 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 Please listen carefully. Radio Film School is going to be a show that was more like a radio documentary, combining interviews, behind-the-scenes audio recordings and voice memos, TV and movie clips, and a lot of scripted voiceover. A lot of scripted voiceover. It would turn out to be the most challenging project I've ever undertaken, and in many ways, the most rewarding. And the one thing that separated it from the aforementioned sea of podcasts? Style. Season one of the show has been all about style, specifically finding your voice as an artist and developing a signature style. My goal is simple. By the end of this season, listeners, be they filmmakers, photographers, musicians, or any other kind of professional creative, would know the formula, the secret sauce, if you will, to developing a voice, metaphorically speaking, of course. Well, congratulations. If you've been listening to the show for even half the season, you now possess the knowledge. Yes, that's right, my friends. As Yoda on his deathbed expressed to Luke Skywalker, No more training do you require. Already know you. That which you need. You regular listeners of the show already know all that you need. And not just because we've had a number of episodes here and there that has specifically spoken to the topic of finding your voice and developing a style. No, this is going to get deep, so allow me to go all meta on you. But you now know all that you need to know, first and foremost, because the show itself has been your blueprint. Just because I've watched you pick up women doesn't mean that I know how to pick up women. You ever see Karate Kid? What does that have to do with anything? You know when he's teaching them to wax on and off, but he's really teaching them to fight? You want me to fight someone? What's the first thing I do when I go up to a girl? I buy her a drink. Yes, always. Oh my god. You did. You Miyagi'd me. Huh. My friends, I Miyagi'd you. You want to know how to find your voice as an artist and develop a signature style? Implement everything you experienced over season one of the show. And there are four things in particular to keep in mind. Number one, emulate, then innovate. Filmmaking is an experiential art. Okay, you got to do it. You can't, uh, you know, fantasize about it or intellectualize it. It's got to be done. That was Zaki Lisha. Zaki was the founder and executive director for the De Anza College Film and Television Program for nearly 40 years. He was also my very first film professor. He's now semi-retired, and he had some great insight into finding your voice as an artist. And when you start doing it, you, you begin to look at, so well, this is how Scorsese did it. I compare that to a child learning how to speak. 
I mean, does a child start out with an alphabet and then they make up words using letters? No, they hear adults, siblings, whatever it is, and they're saying certain words and they listen to them and they get certain results. And that's copying, if you want to call it that, but with a certain aim and a certain result. Just like a baby learns to find his or her literal voice by emulating the sounds and words he hears, when you start any artistic endeavor, you will emulate what you see and hear. Emulation was a recurring theme on the show. If you take inspiration, ideas, concepts from any of these filmmakers, I think it's a great way to learn. Because we have these filmmakers who are you know, intentionally borrowing, like Tarantino. Their films are called great, and they, they have put their own original spin on things, but there's clearly uh, things that are being borrowed. When you try to mimic a master, all of a sudden you're not going to be able to do it the same way he or she has done it. But you're going to put in something that is part of yours. I think culture has been recycled over and over, and I think the masters are incredibly important. I mean, Albert Maisel's and the Maisel brothers and, uh, yeah, Errol Morris, and you're seeing people actually copying styles that they don't even know were styles. As I have often stated, my original plan for this podcast was to make it a weekly talk show with show regulars JD and Yolanda as my weekly co-hosts. When Yolanda got her consulting gig at Netflix, she felt it would be prudent to hold off her involvement speaking on the podcast given the high-profile nature of her work. So I retooled the show to be this documentary style. It was either the best or the craziest decision I've ever made in my life, because getting out a weekly documentary podcast is a bitch, but also very rewarding. I had never done such a podcast before, so I did what all artists do when they start a new endeavor. I emulated what was out there. This is 99% Invisible. I'm Roman Mars. From WBEZ Chicago, it's This American Life. I'm Ira Glass. Stay with us. From Gimlet, this is Startup. I'm Lisa Chow. You're listening, listening. to Radio Lab. Radio Lab. From WNYC. I consumed as many journalistic and documentary style podcasts as I could. Funny, my one-line description of the show is a This American Life for Filmmakers. I use Ira Glass's show as a quick comparison because that podcast is probably the most downloaded and recognizable podcast, even among those who don't normally listen to podcasts. But in execution, my show is actually much more like the TED Radio Hour in terms of feel. It's the TED Radio Hour from NPR. I'm Guy Raj. Here's an idea. If you want to encourage people to do something, make it easy. This idea comes from economist Richard Thaler. It's best said to the tune of the Eagles song. Even without the song, it works pretty well. (laughs) Now, the second half of the emulation stage is to innovate. Specifically, take your art to a whole new level. Make it more of your own. It's great to be inspired and influenced by artists you admire, but you don't want to go full-blown copycat. And there's only one surefire way to do that. Which is the greatest quality of knighthood? Courage, compassion, loyalty, humility? What do you say, Merlin? Ah, the greatest. Uh, Well, they blend. 
Like the metals we mix to make a good sword. No poetry, just a straight answer. Which is it? All right, then. Truth. That's it. Yes, it must be truth. Above all, when a man lies, he murders some part of the world. Secret ingredient number two for finding your voice and developing a signature style. Stay true to yourself. A signature hallmark of a Radio Film School episode has been my nostalgic storytelling. It is something that has come natural to me. The year was 1990, and I was an undergraduate business major at UC Berkeley. The music scene was bustling that year. I was in the second grade, and her name was Jennifer. She was a younger woman, you know, first grader. It was the summer of 77. I was in the fourth grade. Or was it the summer of 78, and I was in the fifth grade? It was the summer of 97, and the Hollywood Coconut Grove was swinging off the hook. I've often thought about what my inspiration has been to start so many podcasts like this. Then I realized that, believe it or not, it was church. So many of the pastors I've listened to love to start their sermons with a story. Six months into our marriage, I come home from what has been a glorious day, okay? I've been out on the links, I've been golfing, got in a quick 18 holes. I'm thinking I'm coming home to my new wife, also my only wife. Coming home and I'm thinking, man, it's going to be great. She's going to fix dinner and then we'll have dessert and then we'll do a little something else. This is going to be awesome. I think it must have just rubbed off on me. The fun part is finding a story that seemingly has absolutely nothing to do with the topic implied by the title of the episode. Then through some twisty, turvy, circuitous route, I make the connection. Like telling the story of the time as a kid in summer camp, I hiked over the Hollywood Hills in an all-white outfit because I wanted to arrive to the girls' camp in style. That was the episode on, you guessed it, style. My hope is that these stories are at least mildly entertaining, but more than that, I want them to illustrate as simple as possible the lesson for that episode. I also tell corny jokes. I make frequent allusions to being a sci-fi and fantasy geek with no shame. And I'm not afraid to poke fun at myself. Like when I did a whole episode on the fact that I don't think I sound quote-unquote black. Yeah, we're not going to fall for a banana in the tailpipe. You're not going to fall for the banana in the tailpipe? <laughs> it should be more natural, brother. It should flow out like this. Look, man, I ain't falling for no banana in my tailpipe. See, that's more natural for us. You've been hanging out with this dude too long. If you had never heard any of the previous episodes of this show or seen any of the photos of me on this blog, would you think I was black? I'm going to say that for most of you, the answer is probably no. I hate my voice. I hate my voice. Yes, I know. Most people hate the sound of their voice, but like, I really hate, I profoundly hate my voice. It's a completely ironic that I even have a podcast. I gotta admit, there are times when I'm telling these stories or corny jokes or whatever, and I can just picture my wife shaking her head like, good lord, who have I married? Why in the world is he sharing this stuff? My wife, being the introvert that she is, is a way more private person than I. She hates the fact that Google and other websites are getting and collecting her actions on the web. Like the other day, she was showing me this video by billionaire serial entrepreneur Mark Cuban talking about how whenever you send a text or an email, it's out there forever, and anyone with the technology can grab it and form a dossier on you. My wife asked me, so what do you think about that? And I'm like, I don't care. I already know they can do that. Why worry about it? If Big Brother is watching, my attitude is, let's give them a show. 
Now, I, I do have to admit, I probably am way more open than perhaps I should, but that's me. That's who I am. And I infuse that into my show. I'm staying true to myself, even embracing it with full abandon. As more and more podcasts come online, the more this show is a reflection of me, the more it'll stand out. Now, I inherently know that's going to turn some people off, but in the pursuit of finding your signature style, that's actually a good thing. I don't know. I mean, there's a way to, like, you know, make videos and, you know, wedding videos and then not be um, so pure and, like, you know, a lot of it's bullshit happy and it's not, you know, it's just, like, cliche stuff. That's Dustin Blake, the creative mind behind the wedding filmmaking company Indie Productions out of Atlanta, Georgia. Dustin is crazy talented, a supremely skilled visual artist who is adept at wielding a camera. And he makes some of the craziest wedding videos I've ever seen. He once did this vampire-themed trash the dress video with, like, blood and, like, these sexy vampire-type bridesmaids. It was kind of freaky and really not my cup of tea. But it's because of videos like that that Dustin is a genius. You know, they were all kind of dark and gritty like that, but they're all, I don't know, not every bride likes that. And, you know, we lose probably a lot of business by showing that kind of stuff. But we're also, I'm also able to, you know, live off doing that kind of stuff. When I first got my first website, and I mean, that was all I was showing. And a lot of people, I think, are scared to, to really, you know, lose that booking or you know they're afraid to really branch out and really show you know show what they're really passionate about uh you know they stay kind of held back you know i think that you know a lot of people do that but it'll shape yourself i mean if you start just showing what you really like doing you know you'll eventually get to do what you want to do and you know that's kind of where we're at you know i like to take music video and study those kind of guys and then apply it to a different industry and I think that kind of you know makes you different and I realized at that exact time you were the most talented Dustin knows what his style is about and he's not afraid to embrace it even though he knows it's going to turn a lot of people off when most other wedding filmmakers are doing the traditional rolling ring shot with sunlight flare or flying past the dress hanging in a tree Dustin is filming a steampunk or Stephen King-inspired film that is gritty, dark, and glorious. There's a clip from one of his weddings on the blog post. View it at your own risk. If you accept that charge, answer, I do. I do? I do. Well, in that case, by the powers vested in me by the state of Nevada, pronounce your husband and wife. When I spoke with Ryan Coral, founder of Tell Video Production Agency and co-founder of Studio Sherpas, he said something at the end of our conversation that really hit home. You know, I think that's what makes us human. I think being ourselves, and we do the biggest disservice to, to the world when, when we can't be ourselves. And the world has taught us that we can't be ourselves, right? That's just the culture that we live in. And it's so sad, um, but... For people when they can find their voice and and just be honest those are the most moving films that we've ever seen or songs that we've ever heard or poems you know whatever like that's the stuff that that moves you i, th- I think the other stuff is just uh there's a different purpose for it whether it's for money or for fame or whatever but 
Um, that's that's not the stuff that um, I think creates legacies or uh, or really matters in the long run. People, you have to put yourself out there, and when you do it, you have to be different. I used to film the Creative Mornings presentations in Atlanta, Georgia, and one of the presenters was Dwayne Cox, the Director of Innovation for Chick-fil-A. I actually made the first Creative Mornings documentary based on that presentation. It had B-roll and reenactments. I essentially brought Dwayne's PowerPoint presentation to life, and in that presentation, he shared this profound thought. The world is starving for different. The world will reward different. And you, you are the creatives. You are the difference makers. You are the antidote to the status quo. Be different. Be determined to leave a mark, a positive mark on this world. I love what my friend Marty Neumeyer had to say about this. He said, be good and be different. But if you can't be both, then just be different. Good will come later. Stay true to yourself, my friends. Don't be afraid of what people might think. Like what I've done with this show, embrace what makes you different. I think the most important thing is to create a bunch of stuff. Be creating all the time. That's my friend, colleague, and director of Legends of the Night, Brett Culp. Legends is a documentary that looks at stories of people inspired by the legend of Batman. Back on the episode about style, Brett was sharing his thoughts on how to find yours. Even if you don't have clients to be creating it for, keep creating. Because my style today is the result of trial and error, of finding what I was good at, finding what I loved, finding what worked. His comments reveal the number three ingredient to finding your voice and developing a signature style. Make a lot of stuff. Again, through the Miyagi-ness of the show, you have already been imprinted with this knowledge. As of this recording, this show has lived for 10 months. Now, as a weekly podcast, that should be about 40 episodes. But if you count all the regular episodes, the shortened episodes, and the bonus episodes, there are actually a total of 56 iTunes entries. That's like 40% more episodes than you'd expect. And I can attest, doing so many episodes in that span of time has accelerated the discovery of my podcast style in this new format. The host of This American Life himself, Ira Glass, said this in his now famous video about The Gap. Most everybody I know who does interesting creative work they went through a phase of years where they had really good taste, they could tell what they were making wasn't as good as they wanted it to be. They knew it felt short. And the thing I would say to you is everybody goes through that. And for you to go through it, if you're going through it right now, if you're just getting out of that phase, if you're just starting off and you're entering into that phase, you gotta know it's totally normal. And the most important possible thing you could do is do a lot of work, do a huge volume of work. Put yourself on a deadline so that every week or every month you know you're gonna finish one story. You know what I mean? Whatever it's going to be, like you create the deadline. It's best if you have somebody who's waiting for work for you, somebody who's expecting it from you, but that you're in a situation where you have to turn out the work because it's only by actually going through a volume of work that you're actually going to ca catch up and close that gap and your the work you're making will be as good as your ambitions.
But before you can make a lot of stuff, you actually have to, you know, start. I wasted so many years with that kind of lie of, I will start making my own stuff just as soon as I earn enough money, just as soon as um, I've got enough time. All I need to do is, you know, um, get a few more gigs and then I'll have the time um, or, the, or the money to do this. That's British filmmaker and Parisian resident Adam Westbrook. Adam creates intricately crafted video essays that have garnered over 1 million views collectively and 8 Vimeo staff picks. He and I were discussing the woes of a freelancer and finding the time to do personal projects. And the lie is, of course, that, you know, the right amount of time, or the right time, or the right amount of money, or the right whatever, whatever, just never arrives. You just have to get on with it and, and do it anyway. Finding your style means making stuff. Lots of stuff. I was recently listening to Creative Lies podcast, Power, Profit, Pursuit, with Tara Gentile. And she had on Kathleen Shannon, co-owner of Braid Creative and co-host of the Being Boss podcast. And when it comes to the issue of finding your voice as an artist, I love what Kathleen had to say. And I've been getting asked a lot lately about how to find your voice. And my easiest answer is to use it. You find your voice by using your voice and you just got to muck through it. And it might take years, but try try different voices on for size and Try speaking loudly, try speaking quietly, try speaking, try listening, you know? So there are lots of ways to use your voice, but you have to use it to find it. The scene where Vulcan is imploding on itself and Spock goes down, he tries to save everybody. And then, you know, everyone's being deemed up. And the last second, you know, he reaches out for his mom and he met, and she like, uh, you know, falls into the void and he's beamed up. And then the next shot is like this close up and this look of loss on his face. Like I saw that. And for some reason, it just took me back to that moment. And I like I like burst into tears. And my wife was like wondering what was going on. And then within seconds, she figured it out. She put two and two together. And like there were other times where, you know, that. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I <laughs> I totally understand. You started. <laughs> That's a scene from part two of the Fathers and Filmmaking series at the beginning of the season. In it, Steel Motion and Muse Storytelling co-founder Patrick Moreau and I are sharing stories about the passing of our respective mothers. And right at the very beginning of the season, you've had examples of the fourth and final secret ingredient to finding your voice and developing a signature style. Number four be vulnerable. Here I continue my conversation with Patrick and give commentary on why I agreed to air my tears on the show. <laughs> the host is not Start supposed to cry. Living them everywhere. And it was fine. Like before I brought this up, I was thinking, I don't know if I should ask you this question because. <laughs> I must admit, I struggled with whether or not to include that clip of me breaking down. Ultimately, I felt important to include because it's one thing to say how much a thing affects you. It's another to viscerally experience it through the tears of another person. It's only when you can tap into that deepest level of vulnerability that you'll be able to reach the highest levels of your craft. All that empty silence once the doors are left. 
Easy words and music that you won't forget. Whether it's recounting a personal story like this, or expressing my disappointment at not finishing Mixed in America, or airing a conversation with JD and Yolanda where they took me to task for how I reacted to a past guest, I've used this show as a way to wear my heart on my sleeve. As much as I feel comfortable sharing, there are times when it feels rather scary. Very, very scary. And developing your style and finding your voice as an artist is scary. The very act of developing a style requires that you be vulnerable because it mandates that you put your work out for people to view and judge. When somebody tells me I'm loud or I'm ugly or I have too many opinions, it sucks. That's Sasha Pearl Raver, film and TV critic, actress, writer, and co-host of Collider TV Talk. When somebody tells me that they don't like something I've written, it is soul-crushing. It like The thought of it right now gives me chills and almost brings me to tears because who I am as a human being and who I am as somebody who is creative, it is so much harsher. It is so much harsher to be judged on something you pour your soul into and feel really proud of and are then told isn't good enough than somebody being like, I don't like her because she talks too much. Because that's just, you know, stick it. I don't care. But if I'm like, I worked on this script for four months and I think it's so funny and I think it's so good and somebody's like, well, we already saw something that's kind of like that, so we don't like this. That feels like somebody literally took your mom and just drove over her multiple times with a Mack truck backing it up and forward and back and forward while making you watch with those (laughs) orange eye-opener things. It's just, it's so hard. So I appreciate the fact that you're saying that I am somebody who doesn't give a rip because I'm trying to be more of that person in my creative life because it's hard. It's hard. Like I get sad when I get rejections. Like I got this rejection from, I applied to the Sundance Institute for their, um, for their screenwriting for television program. And I wasn't accepted. And you know, they send you the typical forum letter where you're like, don't let this discourage you. And I literally like came home, started crying, got in my bed, watched TV. My husband came in and he was like, what happened? I told him I kept crying. And then he quoted, cheese the man to me. And he was like, okay, rub some dirt in it. Come on, let's go get a burrito. And like, I realized I had to rub some dirt in it and go move on. But let me tell you, man, it is hard because it feels bad. And the funniest part about it is I've been a critic for so long and I've <laughs> shit about so many people's things. And now I feel like such a jerk because I'm like, oh God, it's hard when you put yourself out there. Yes. Putting yourself and your work out there is one of the most vulnerable things an artist can do. But some would argue that it's not art unless it's put out there for the world to see. It's such a strange thing. Living somewhere where, you know, even buying a croissant, even something as simple as that, is fraught with, you know, the potential for embarrassment. That's Adam Westbrook again. He told me about the difficulties of moving to Paris from London and the risk that was involved. And I actually found his story in an interesting, if not surprising, commentary on art itself. Here's what I told him. I can't help but think that your story about going to Paris and living there for the first time is like a metaphor or an analogy for being an artist in some way. That's interesting. Um, Well, I think, you know, lots of people debate about what, whether something's art or not. Um, And I think I sort of sit with the very broad kind of Seth Godin definition 
which is that, you know, art equals risk. You know, art isn't just, you know, using a paintbrush or, you know, a film camera. It can be anything as long as the person doing it is kind of taking a leap of faith and trying harder than they need to and working for connection more. And the more I do this, the more I kind of see truth in in that sense that being uncomfortable and um, and yeah, living with risk, sort of leaping towards the unknown and the risk is kind of where art gets made. Show me wax on, wax off. Yes! Show me pen to fence. Hush! Hush! Yes! Yes! Show me side to side. Yes! 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 Show me sand the floor. Hush! Yes! 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 Hush! For the past 10 months, we've been on a journey together. A journey to find out what it means to be a filmmaker, and really, to be any kind of an artist. Through emulating and innovating, being ourselves, making a lot of stuff, and having the courage to be vulnerable, our craft evolves and our voices are found. May you have the courage of your convictions to create, share, and boldly go where you've never gone before. This may be the end of season one, but it's just the beginning of a brand new adventure. Stay tuned past the credits for a brief peek at what you can expect from season two. You won't want to miss it. Radio Film School is a production of Daredreamer FM. This episode was written and produced by me, Chris Huslidge, as our co-producer. And I'm turning up the volume so that you, in places and spaces that I identify as powerful. Radio Film School is a proud member of the Podcastica Network. Think of it as an indie label of pop culture podcasts with shows like Walking Dead Cast, The Sci-Fi Podcast, and Game of Microphones. They even have podcasts about podcasting with podcast junkies and the podcast producers. These shows and more can be found at podcastica.com. And they have this big quote when you walk in their office, mm-hmm. and it says, uh, work for a cause, not applause. Music for this episode was curated from freemusicarchive.org. Links to tracks are in the show notes. Every week for the past 10 months, I've encouraged you to leave a comment and review in iTunes. Thanks to all of you who've taken the time to hop on over to iTunes to do just that. I really appreciate reading your comments. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You can follow me on Twitter at DareDreamerFM, and you can follow the show at Radio Film School. This is the season finale, but we're still going strong. In our next episode, we're going to have another finale, the finale of our miniseries Shooting Sunshine, the podcast segment that has followed the making of my short film doc, Mixed in America, Episode 1, Little Mixed Sunshine. And yes, that means Episode 1 is done. (laughs) 
It's still going to be private for a while, but if you're part of our email list, you'll get a link where you can see the full film. I'm really proud of how it turned out, and I have lots of lessons to share with you, so stay tuned as always to the show. For now, remember, there are some season two sneak peeks after the credits. In the meantime, I'll leave you with the podcast ending that I actually started way back with Crossing the 180. If the story sucks, I don't care what you shot it with. And for Radio Film School, I also added the tag or what you cut it on. Farewell, good listeners. Summer is coming. It's not that I want to silence any voice. I want everybody to have a piece of the pie. Like that's the, I hate that phrase. A piece of the pie gives the idea that there is only so much pie. There is unlimited pie. <laughs> Everyone can have pie. I can have a bite, you can have a bite, we can bake all the different kinds of pies. They can be mini pies, they can be maxi pies, but this is the Costco of pies. Nobody's running out. We're always gonna have pie. At the end of May, I had a very important Skype call with Patrick Moreau of Still Motion. It was regarding the new film series they have coming out called The Remarkable Ones. You can find it at tro.tv. You may have been one of the five million or so people that viewed one of their first two test films, like The Elephant Whisperer or Soar, a film about a quadriplegic that flies airplanes. They have a whole series of shows like this coming out, with some amazing opportunities to learn. Next season, in addition to our regular episodes, we're going to bring you the official podcast for the making of these remarkable films. Imagine the in-depth and rich educational experience Still Motion is known for, combined with the narrative, storytelling style of Radio Film School. Along with this, and the other stories we plan to bring you next season, Radio Film School will go from being the This American Life of Filmmaking to the Startup of Filmmaking. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to our email newsletter to stay updated. Speaking of which, we have some brand new freebies for newsletter subscribers. Once you're subscribed, check out the links to see what gifts we have for you this week. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. So that was the one thing that uh, I did want to connect with you on and, and come up with a plan for. Um, but for the podcast itself, that's that's your jam. Yeah, I can really see a Radio Film School Muse collaboration and having Radio Film School be and or the segment that we do for TRO sort of like be your podcast segment and the style that we have is very produced there's a lot of music and sound design and whatnot and so I envision it being where each uh each segment slash episode is a combination of you know interviews with uh you and whomever else from the team whether it be um Joyce or somebody else that can give input to that Mm -hmm. particular episode and then combine with some, to the extent that you have it, actual BTS audio from that particular shoot, and also combining it with um, completed edited audio from that particular corresponding episode. You know, this series, in the way I envision it, is actually like a great segue into our season two. Season one was like finding your voice as an artist. Um, and developing your own style. Season two is going to be against all odds, and it's going to be stories about filmmakers who have overcome odds uh, and either failed or succeeded 
and creating a particular project. And yeah. it's going to be very story-driven, kind of similar to the way Startup is this season, where we're having, you know, to the extent we have it, we're going to use BTS audio, but we're also going to be using, just having the people kind of, like, tell a story about, like, what happened, you know, on this day, so-and-so, whatnot. And, and so I kind of see this series with, you know, you guys and TRO being very similar to that. But I think there's a really neat kind of way that we can explore very transparently, you know, a studio trying to make their own make their own series too. Yeah. Um, so I think bringing in some of that will be interesting for people. And um, I mean, it's great to have you involved because you're going to be a much less biased source that can, you know, ask the questions that people actually want to know and talk about what's interesting. Sure. You know, so I think talking about, you know, Kickstarter versus sponsorship and how that works and what you need to make it sustainable and things like that because I think everybody wants to make their own project in some way or another Um, and so uh, I'd love to find a way to thread that in there somehow so that there's kind of a backbone of you know just the creation of you know your own work and making it sustainable you're listening to Dare Dreamer FM the sound of creative expression Hmm? ah Hmm. Podcast to go.